0: The Canaanite woman, with her wit and insistence, is commended for her profound trust in what Christ can do for her and her daughter. Hers is a deep faith that even Jesus' closest followers can only marvel at. In the name of Christ, who redeems us, amen. So let's get this straight, shall we? The colic prayer for today says We look to God in Christ, who shows us an example of godly living. And then Jesus tells us not to wash our hands. He talks about the sewer in public, he talks about sexual things in public. Then he calls a Canaanite woman a dog. Is that godly living to you? We all know that Episcopalians tease one another sometimes about being the, quote, frozen chosen. Perhaps in the increasingly post-denominational age we live now, that moniker is starting to wear a little bit thin. It is for me, because our rubbing shoulders and standing with the marginalized over the past few decades of Daring some radical stands against the status quo have begun to thaw us out here and there, even in this place. Or at least I certainly hope so. But you know what? We still love our liturgy, don't we? Our poetic words, our carefully crafted prayers, an orderly, generally well mannered way of doing Christian business. We are institution builders and keepers in a largely anti-institutional time. And we often, without saying it, for heaven forbid that we be rude, sniff at some of our brothers and sisters with their raw, unrehearsed prayers and charismatic, uncouth ways of being with God and proclaiming God in the world. We have a constitutional disdain for the half-baked theologies and less thoughtful assertions about what God is like and what God is doing. And in our worst moments, we fear that God might be turned off by such lack of sophistication. Now, truth be told, I'm just as bad on this score as any Episcopalian I know, I adore order, I can name a few typos that jump out at me, well, at least one when we read from the Book of Common Prayer. Just this morning, I was exchanging emails with our senior warden about whether or not parish office and governing body titles should be capitalized. I thrive in our own special Anglican purity code of sorts, and while my rude, more earthy Midwestern side sometimes rears its embarrassing head, I love to cultivate my, my more polite and proper English side. And even half tongue-in-cheek, I tell you, it was good for that side of me that I married someone from Japan. And then I come face-to-face with today's gospel, and I have to chuckle at myself. I catch myself saying yet again, the Jesus we want is rarely the Jesus we get. Matthew's largely Jewish-Christian audience would have understood this, and they probably would have shared with us some of the shock at the underlying themes of today's gospel and the way Jesus comports himself. Because the themes today are about purity and tribal identity. Then there are two deeper questions so fundamental that they leap out of the story and are writ large, for the human family over time, what exactly is it that sullies our lives and relationships? And for us as a Christian people, to whom does the gospel really belong? But for me, and perhaps for you too, the most challenging piece of this gospel is simply how Jesus acts. And he's not very nice He berates the Pharisees for their obsession with cleanliness, and he talks the less savory aspects of human digestion up, and the sewer. Then he turns around and insults a Canaanite woman with one of the worst imaginable put-downs. Dogs, after all, were filthy to faithful first-century Judaism. Jesus paints, initially at least, the Canaanite woman out with the sort of rednecked bigotry that most of us would like to believe belongs to somebody else, not to us, enlightened folk that we are, and certainly not to our beloved Christ. This is not a pastoral moment for Jesus, and I'm not even sure it's a teaching moment either, Some interpreters temper the passage and would have us believe that Jesus is teaching his disciples through the rough way he appears to handle the Canaanite woman, but I'm not so sure. I think we mistakenly and rather selfishly want our Messiah fully formed out of the gate, a Christ who is pristine and utterly spotless from the manger to the cross a good Episcopalian, well-reared Jesus. Classic Christian teaching is that Jesus was sinless, but does that mean he never learned anything, or his heart was never bent or even grown through his encounters with the stranger and the foreigner? Does that mean he should be nice the way we would want him to be nice? And I don't know the full answers to those questions, so I leave them to you to ponder with me. In any case, Jesus quotes the cultural and indeed tribal playbook of his day to this heathen woman, and she boldly comes right back at him with a retort that puts all of his disciples to shame for its wit, its passion, and its Utter nerve. Maybe Jesus is astonished. I think he is. Maybe God in Christ wonders at the joy of surprise when a created being dares directly challenge the divine. Jesus, in response, commends her faith. Notice he hasn't done that for his disciples. As we've just seen, they want everything explained and sorted and understood. But the Canaanite woman wants the raw, unrefined stuff, healing for her daughter. Now, the disciples have been good boys. They have left everything to follow Jesus. They are, in a way, the faithful churchgoers the committed volunteers, maybe even the devoted hired hands like me. But this Canaanite woman makes no promises and seems to disappear from the scene as rapidly as she arrived once she gets what she came for. Darn it, she doesn't even become a pledging member. (laughs) Yet it is her faith that Christ commends. So does this take you faithful regulars down a notch or two? It does me. Faith, it seems, belongs to many who rarely, if ever, show up in a pew. This Canaanite woman is an outsider's outsider, the worst of the rabble. The disciples, doubtless, were cheering Jesus on when he calls her a dog but it is what comes from her heart that matters. And maybe this commends something to our spiritual life as faithful people. She roughhouses with God in Christ verbally. She demands what she wants. The gospel belongs to her too, and she will stand there until she gets it. It's that kind of raw, not-so-nice prayer like, oh, God, and probably includes the sorts you wouldn't want to hear your rector say on a Sunday morning. You all know what I mean. Those demands on the Holy One that we stubbornly assert when we're desperate, we're at our wits' end, or we're simply upset those naked cries for help when a sophisticated, erudite, poetic prayer cannot capture the raw need or emotion of the moment, those impure demands on God that come out of our less than pure hearts. Then we are the Canaanite woman, outsiders all, raw and uncouth before our God, You see, my brothers and sisters, our purity of language, prayer, and liturgy isn't as important to God as our rough and tumble humanity. The children we often hide inside. The children that the creator wants to reach. For us faithful regulars, It's faith in the raw that God in Christ seeks out in us. For then we can at last set aside the blindness of our pride and see our God, perhaps even face to face. Amen.